As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. wish I had learned this truth many years ago. Be thankful for the days, good and bad. All right, we're back again with another episode of Warrior vs. Zombie, and I've got the most incredible guest I think I've had so far, at least one of them, and it's Carl Flowers. And I'll tell you a little bit about more, more about Carl in a second. But first, I want to remind those or explain to those who are joining us for the first time about what is Warrior versus Zombie. So, first of all, success is a journey, it's not a destination. As warriors, we all have a history of ups and downs, wins and losses that are all part of making us who we are up to this point, and they provide a foundation for our path forward. We all battle our inner zombie as well as those zombies in our world. In each episode, I interview warriors who are aspiring leaders from all walks of life, entrepreneurs, artists, health practitioners, business owners, pastors, you name it, anybody, and all inspired leaders that have a story to tell. These warriors have a cause, they have a unique value, and they have a vision that goes generations into the future, and today's guest is no exception. Carl Flowers is a true warrior. His journey of entertaining and educating audiences has spanned the last 40 years. After graduating from the University of Illinois, Chicago, where he majored in speech and mass communications, it wasn't long before he ended up in the Dallas area where he was instrumental in helping Beauty Control Cosmetics become one of the largest direct selling companies in the U.S. back in the 80s and the 90s. In 2004, he began conducting management seminars and since that time has conducted over 1,400 one-day management seminars for a variety of businesses and organizations in the U.S., Canada, and the United Kingdom, including such illustrious groups as the FBI, the U.S. Senate, ExxonMobil, BP, that's British Petroleum, Frito-Lay, PepsiCo, the U.S. Air Force, U.S. Army, and U.S. Marines, the GSA, and numerous universities and colleges. While his business topics include communications, productivity, supervision, and finance, his avocation, and I would argue at least the Carl that I know, his passion, includes being an amateur, as he calls it, historian. And I also know a looking at him today, he likes to play golf. So we've talked a little bit about that. And there's probably other things, but welcome Carl Flowers. And Carl, before you start, this is our check-in segment. And I got to say, I got to ask you, we're in the middle of primary season. We just had one primary. We're getting ready to have another primary. Uh, all this craziness going on, all the issues. And with that, the 
amazing historical perspective. I know I've heard you talk about from our founding fathers all the way through to some of the other interesting parts that I don't even remember from my historical classes. What is your perspective on all this? Well, thank you, David. Thanks for inviting me. It's, uh, it is 2020, and this is your 20th segment this year, so I feel honored just to fit in that way. Uh, 2020 is the year of the asterisk. Uh, everything that happens in 2020 is going to have an asterisk next to it. Sports scores, budgets, um, and, and certainly the political elections. We're going to put asterisks on all kinds of things. Um, as an amateur historian, for those who are wondering, the difference between an amateur and a professional is is I have yet to publish a book and get paid for it. So, so I guess I'm amateur. Um, uh, there's a there's a gentleman that uh, was in military intelligence, Colonel Ralph Peters. You may have seen him on um, uh, some of the cable news networks. I think he works for CNN now. Uh, I was privileged to be with him on a leadership program at Gettysburg about three years ago. And, and he said, people have said they have never seen such diverse times, such times of strife and diversity as they, as they see right now. And Colonel Peters said, and by the way, he grew up about 10, 10 miles from Gettysburg. He said, he said, this is not diverse times. He said, 1863, Gettysburg, that was diverse, where 11,000 people died over political differences. We were shooting each other over political differences. He said, when you think about the founders, what they did was they came from a system where one person, the king and the parliament, made all of the decisions. And they purposely set up a system where they would get diversity of opinion. Where, so, so you really have three branches of government. You have the executive branch, the president and his administration. You have the uh, legislative branch, which is the House and the Senate. And then you have the judicial branch. If all three don't agree, nothing happens. And that's so basically they purposely set it up so that we could hear diverse opinions and so that we could discuss them. And if you read, uh, in fact, in Philadelphia, just down the two blocks from the, the Independence Hall, there's the Old City Tavern, where every day they argued during the day, then they went over and had some beers and argued some more. And then they came to compromise. So uh, when you invited me to talk about warriors and zombies, and we'll get into zombies later, but I think some of the zombies out there are the people who are trying to do away with diverse opinions. We want this diversity. Yes, it's going to be a rough election, yeah, but but many of them were. When you study history, I mean, Adams and Jefferson, best of friends, their people were brutal to each other. So, um History tends to repeat itself, and we go into into times where we have uh, less compromise and more compromise. So I'm I'm confident. You know, you know the amazing thing, David, about um, a crisis. So we we have the crisis of COVID nineteen. A crisis will accelerate a trend. Um, so we were having trends to shop online. We were having trends to have people pick out your groceries and deliver them to your car. We were having trends to do meetings online like this. Uh, we were having trends to read books online, uh, watch movies on streaming. But the crisis now has accelerated all that. And we won't go back to what was. There won't be the old normal. It will be a new normal. And frankly, we've been having this crisis in our political world for several years, and and it's coming to a head. And things will look. We've been we've been going for two hundred and forty five, forty four years, two hundred forty four years since the signing of the Declaration of Independence. We're going to make it to two fifty, and we're going to be a better country for it. So, uh, but but it is going to be difficult times. And, and the crisis is accelerating all that. Uh, not only is it a contentious election year, but now we have these uh, financial things and these health concerns uh, that are just making it worse. So again, I call it the year of the asterisk. We'll look back and we'll say, oh yeah, 2020, I remember when. Actually, it is one of the things that I've said. First of all, I love what your perspective in, in regard to the historical aspect of it. And uh, I often find this being, having a little more history behind me, at least my life, than my five millennial kids and the, some of the younger folks that I constantly mentor, network, and work with. Um, 
we think it's never been this bad or we think it's never been this good. And the reality of it is, if you really understand history, we didn't get here and it wasn't an easy journey along the way. So what you're saying is, I love it because it's positive and it's aspirational and that we're going to make it through this. I believe, and the other thing you said that also you and I are in total alignment on, is that what was never will be again in terms of how we do things. The how, the why is, I think, still fundamental and we need to hang on to the why and not throw the baby out with the bath as we move forward. But that being said, your brilliance and the historical observation there is right on the money. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to hear you say what you what you were going to say. And I didn't know that what you were going to say, but I, I love hearing your perspective. Thank you. It's it's um, uh, like I said, the zombies, there are people and and they, and it bothers me a little bit that we want to take away diverse opinion, that we want to can the cancel culture. We want to shut down anybody that doesn't agree with us. And so people have developed what I'd call, well, not what I call, what psychologists call confirmation bias, being that uh, I have my mind and my, my blinders on my mind made up and anything you say that disagrees with me must be evil. So you, there's a healthy uh, cognitive dissonance where we rationalize things, but confirmation bias goes way too far to where we start canceling people and we start um, uh, attributing, it's the attribution theory, we attribute them as evil because they disagree with us. When in fact, by disagreeing, uh, we get the full perspective. We get to look at both sides or three or five sides of an, ar of an argument. Yeah, in fact, you're, you're amazingly on target here because if you really look at, because we will be using technology and we are using it today. And our kids have grown up with the technology from almost birth. And the, for sure, my grandkids right now are, wait, are having their own toy phones as they're less than a year old, right? I mean, we're, we're, that's becoming part of their life. And the problem is with a lot of these social networks, uh, I don't, I, you can pick one, the, it, that whole thing of, you know, the cancel culture, it's basically built in. You know, you if you're not careful, you create your own echo chamber. You start narrowing it down. You unfriend people that don't say what you want to hear. You, you, you start to do those things. So I see that happening. I see people getting offended by a difference of opinion. Not something mean or crude. You know, that's really just somebody that just doesn't, they don't know how to interact socially. But but just the whole concept of not wanting to hear somebody that doesn't see the world the way you see it might be limiting our each of our perspectives on seeing the whole big the whole picture. Our worldviews are always overlapping, but they're always going to be different. And that's one of the reasons why I love networking. That's why I run networking groups because I every time I talk to you or talk to somebody else in the network, it's a learning experience. I get to hear the way they think of things. I get to hear they're seeing the same thing I'm hearing or seeing, and their takeaways aren't always the same. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Social media, I believe if the founders were alive today, they would view social media as they viewed the mob. Uh, it, when you read the writings of the founders and hear, read their discussions, which are all in the Library of Congress, you know, when they had the, the meetings, they, they wrote it all down. Um, they were afraid of the mob. And because they were afraid of the mob, they purposely did not create a democracy. We have democratic uh, principles, but they didn't want a democracy because the problem with a democracy is, is there's a tyranny of the majority the majority beats up on the minority. They formed a republic uh, so that it would, we would have more logic and less emotion. It would slow things down and the rights of the minority would be represented uh, in, the, in those, represent, those representatives that we send to Washington or to Austin and Texas. So because there's representation who vote and speak on our behalf, uh, they can stand up for the minority concerns 
whereas a pure democracy, the majority would have tyranny over the minority. Uh, so again, the founders would not probably be happy with Twitter. Uh, they would not be happy with this cancel culture on social media. Uh, and, and I think we also need to understand that Twitter, the people who are active on Twitter, don't represent the majority of people. They represent the activist uh, wing. And so uh, just like the people in New York City don't represent the entire country, nor do they in Washington, D.C., there's, it's a vast America. And uh, we get in silos. The media gets in a silo in New York City and Hollywood and governments in a silo in Washington, D.C., and they never get out here, it seems like, to the um, the heartland and see what people are really talking about and thinking. But there's hope. Yeah, oh, there's totally hope. I mean, again, we haven't survived, as you pointed out in the beginning, we haven't survived and thrived this long as a country and the best country on the planet. And I don't think that's even arguable. But we've done what we've done because we're, there is hope. I mean, we do make ultimately our decisions as warriors, and each of us are warriors if we're moving forward in spite of all this and, and doing that. So it's, it's fascinating to hear your, your perspective from looking at it from all the founders you've studied and that kind of thing, and I think you're exactly right. I think that... Um, that's exactly why not only cancel culture, but saying that, well, we're just going to take a simple majority. That's not a constitutional republic we, that made this country great, right? Every state, every community, there's reasons why things are done, even in the COVID, even in all these things at a local level versus mandating it from the top. Because if you do that, then you start stripping away we the people's ability to make decisions. So I think it's a, a beautiful observation and thank you for sharing that. Um, you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, we've, we've, we've done really good in this and I can tell you right now, I may have another episode where I bring you back and we might not even talk about your, your journey or where you're at. We might just talk about history, which would be an awesome thing. I haven't done anything like that, but I've had a couple of guests that I've said, okay, I'd like to get back together and share you with my audience a little more about your perspective on things. I had a guest earlier, uh, probably a month or two ago in the beginning of COVID, that was a naturopathic doctor, and she gave all kinds of insights about how we should deal with and feel about the coronavirus and all that stuff. And um, it was very valuable, but obviously we didn't have the time. So what I'm going to do now, we're going to we're going to move on into the second segment here and I'm going to give us an opportunity to hear a little bit more of Ricky Jean Wright our theme song for Warrior vs. Zombie it's called It's Not the Getting There and we'll be right back with Warrior vs. Zombie and Carl Flowers But the miles become the teacher while the student learns real slow Traveling blind most of the time Wherever you go It's not the getting there It's the journey every day It's not All right, we've had a great check-in segment with Carl Flowers and man, uh, I didn't First time we've had this check-in where we got to check in with the founding of our com- country and compared it to where we are today. So if you didn't, if you missed that first segment, definitely go back and listen to it. But before we get into, going to hear not the history of the country, but we're going to hear Carl's history, how we got to today. But before we do that, I want I need to take a minute thank our sponsor, Be Connected, where entrepreneurs connect, and it's an opportunity to get in on the ground floor if you're a warrior of the premium hub for successful warriors. Be Connected empowers warriors from all walks of life, entrepreneurs, home business owners, small business owners, CEOs and founders, enabling them to connect and collaborate to a great, have a great and larger impact on the world. Check us out now and learn how you can thrive as we move forward out of the pandemic at Be 
Connected.com. That's B-E-E-K-O-N-N-E-C-T-E-D.com. Now, back to Carl Flowers, and I want to hear your story, buddy. I want to hear how you got to where you are today, which is, we've known each other for a little while now, but I want to hear a little bit of the backstory about how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Well, thanks, David. Uh, Well, let's see, I was born at a very early age in a hospital because I wanted to be close to my mother. (laughs) I'm sorry, the speaker in me can't avoid telling a few jokes. A little funny that they are. I grew up in Chicago, uh, a western suburb of Chicago, one of the first suburbs west of the city called Elmwood Park, uh, oldest of five children. Uh, Spent four years of my high school, I went to a boarding school, uh, which was actually a Catholic uh, Franciscan Catholic seminary. So I got a good uh, uh, spiritual education. Uh, I got a great education. Every, every one of the professors had a master's degree. Um, and so I, college came easy for me. I went to the University of Illinois in Chicago, where I majored in radio and television broadcast. Now, in, in those days, in the late 60s, early 70s, that's when the, um, uh, the, the turbulent 60s was upon us, the Martin Luther King and Robert Robert Kennedy assassinations and the Kent State shootings and things like that. Uh, and during that time, I, in those days, uh, was working. I went to a commuter school downtown so I could have a job downtown. So I was always at school every day with a, a sport coat and tie on because <laughs> I had to go to work. Uh, major in radio and television. It was black and white studios at that campus at that time. Um, Never really worked in that field, but my my media training has served me well throughout throughout the years. Uh, I moved to Denver, Colorado, and and became a franchisee for a sales training company, and for a few years was kind of independent uh, on my own, and then took a job in the direct selling industry, and uh, that led me to Dallas, Texas. So I came to Dallas, Texas in 1983 to work for a, a fledgling, a two-year-old um, cosmetics company called Beauty Controls, similar in structure to the Mary Kay company, uh, direct selling party plan in the home. Uh, we were the first company to tie cosmetics to color seasons, and we grew rapidly starting in 1983. So there were seven people there, and I started in about 750 salespeople around the country. And within a year, we were, we were up to $4 million in sales, uh, and uh, in, by the year 1986, we went public at $16 million, and we just kept growing. We were riding the tide and growing rapidly. I was in the sales and marketing end. I did the contests, the promotions. We had two big conventions a year, so I was on stage all the time uh, as the MC and representing. I did all the training for the company. I did all the trips. We took people around the world on incentive trips. So I got a, a big background and, and we just kept growing and growing and growing that company uh, till we plateaued about uh, the late uh, 90s. We plateaued at uh, about $70 million in sales. That's wholesale sales. It would translate maybe 150 retail. Um, and then we sold the company to Tupperware. Uh, and I stayed with the company until 2004, as did the original owners. Uh, and in that time, we doubled the size of the company. In a four to five year period, we took it from 70 to 150 wholesale. Uh, and then uh, Tupperware started replacing executives. Uh, and I, I am not only with some, some of the key founders left the company. And, and that's when you, you, you say started my sales, my, uh, my training business, my, uh, uh, my, what we call my second career. Now, in the time there in the years 2006, 7, 8, 9, I took one or two direct sales jobs for a year or two, went back to training, but kept being a contract trainer traveling the country. And uh, as you said, 1,400, now actually 1,500 one-day seminars um, for a whole for the, all those famous places you mentioned, and hundreds and hundreds of unknown companies, small concerns and conference rooms, and and uh, so I've, I've I've had a great time. I I like to tell people I I focused in three areas. In addition to people skills or supervision of people skills, I worked on time, words, and numbers. So. If you want to be more productive with your time, you want to learn more about project management or about how to organize or structure things. If you want to learn numbers 
budgeting, uh, financial statements, things like that, and then words, how to write, how to speak, how to present, how to train, were kind of my uh, bailiwick and where I, where I did well. I'm still doing that. Um, I, I guess you'd call it I'm doing now semi-retired. I don't know. I've got actually in the month of September coming up, I have 15 dates. Uh, so that's pretty busy. Usually six to eight, maybe 10 dates a month where I was traveling uh, and, and getting on airplanes, uh, spending a lot, a lot of the, I, I contract for two small training companies and a lot of their uh, contracts are with government agencies. So I spend a lot of time in Washington, D.C., New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, but sometimes West Coast, sometimes uh, uh, parts of Texas. And uh, t- talking about those same topics, um, uh, but about a year and a half ago, uh, in the middle of, uh, let's say, in the middle of uh, 2019, there were two government agencies that came to one of those firms and said, we've got a lot of people who work from home now, and we'd like you to start teaching on online. So they could, because we, we don't need you to come into, they don't come into the office. We don't need you to come into the office. Let's let's just do the training online. So the, this one company I was with developed a very good engaging program involving people online using Zoom. And, and um, I looked at it and I said, this is a lot of preparation. I'm really good on my feet in front of people. I can react to faces. I can joke with people. And when you're online, you're kind of caged in and, and they just see your shoulders up and, um, and you have to, you have to really prepare. So you can't wing it as, as much. Uh, I mean, not, not that I'm not prepared, but, but I like to be loose and flexible. So I said, you know, I don't really need the work that much. I'll just take the live dates and give those online dates to some of the other trainers. That's fine. And then along came COVID-19 in March. (laughs) And all of a sudden, everything dried up. Uh, And so I went and started training online. I only tell you that because, you know, when you say, what are the zombies? Sometimes the zombies get in your head and say, you can only do this or you can only do that. And, And I know... Different people have different training styles, just as there are different learning styles. There are people who learn by listening. There are people who learn by watching. There are people who learn by doing, touching. Um, And I know my personality and and my humor really helps people. I I feel I'm pretty transparent. I admit a lot of my mistakes. If you don't make these same mistakes I made as a manager, you'll have a more successful run. So I'm very open about don't do what I did, do it this way. Um, uh, so, but I found out that I can come across through the Zoom camera. I can come, and, or Microsoft Teams or WebEx, we're doing them all now, all the different platforms. Uh, and so much so that about two weeks ago, I don't know if I told you this or not, I was in the middle of a class and I was having fun with people and getting them to talk and engage. And, and I said to myself, darn, I could do this in a wheelchair. <laughs> I I don't really need, I mean, although I like getting on airplanes, I like the points, I like the travel, uh, I like being, and the travel, of course, spending so much time in the East Coast gave me a chance over the last four or five years to visit a, a great number of historical sites. Um, but but really, I can do this from my desk. I, I, I look forward to this year being past us and getting back on the road some, but, but I, basically it's taught me I have a new skill. I can, I can do this. So I'm, I'm in the middle of morphing into my third career, uh, probably my last career, uh, given my age and, and what I want to do with my life. But in five years, the country will be 250 years old. 2026, July 4th is the celebration of the 250th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I and you, David, and many of your listeners have lived through the bicentennial. This is called the semi-quincentennial, 250 years, or as they're calling it, USA 250, which makes a lot more sense. And um, what I've noticed is, especially over the last 50 years, we have stopped, for one reason or another, teaching history as much in our schools. Uh, we are now, we don't even have history classes as much as we have social studies and sometimes social activism. And we're losing 
the everybody knows about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin and Paul Revere, but what about the other 56 signers of the Declaration? They all put their lives on the line for us and their families' lives and their fortunes. What about the generals and the colonels and the majors, some of what we would today call the middle managers, who without them, Washington could not have achieved what he achieved. So what I'm making it my um, vocation now is to spend more time each year over the next five to six years talking about the untold stories of American independence. So I've started a, a Facebook page and I've started a YouTube channel and I'm working on, the YouTube channel has videos, but I'm, you and I talked about I'm making that into audio podcasts. So these are the untold stories of American independence that people can be reminded of and, and understand the sacrifice that uh, people made and, and the principles and the values that they followed to accomplish this country. You earlier said this is the greatest country in the world. I have no disagreement with that. I think there are other zombies out there, if we call them the zombies, who, look, I, you may remember Paul Harvey, the, the radio newscaster who used to say, uh, you can run, but you can't hide. He said this, this country, people may complain about it, but people are still trying to get into this country. Nobody's running away. Everybody wants to come here. So I choose to look at America as, yes, it is a great uh, endeavor. And we have made many mistakes through the years. But unlike a lot of other countries, we have corrected those mistakes. And we have systematically gone through an improved life for everybody here. And where we took advantage of people, we have changed the situation. We have given the back to those people. We have improved things for, for society. And we keep improving them. So we go through times of dissension, but we keep getting better. And I think we can learn from the principles of the founders, which is my passion, which is why I want to um, uh, talk about these things over the next five years. Well, that is a great story in terms of going through your history. It's kind of fascinating to hear how, as I would say, how God has led you. It's amazing, I always think, to look at warrior journeys and look at them in retrospect looking at them and see how some of these, what I would call divine appointments, things change, things that we look at, we assign a particular value to them at the time and don't know why, whether it's your, your move, doing direct sales and leading that. I can see actually listening to you talk and knowing you today, I can see so many things about your journey that formed who you are today and working even with all the government organizations that you're working with. And I'm sure you probably already had a passion for, for history to some degree. You must have because it's, you know, that's a lot of work and to, to do the research, to understand, to hear the untold stories. So that's a beautiful thing. On the other hand, um, the opportunity to do those things, even the opportunity that you mentioned about moving from doing it in person, which I can totally relate to as a speaker myself, to doing it online. It's two different experiences, but the cool thing is, is warriors, and you are a warrior, it's very clear to me, listen to the conversation, we look at things not in the way, but on the way, and as a warrior, we find our way around those things that we run into into and they can be maybe it's a bad heavy duty conversation i mean all these things that you've brought forward already are just incredible you know what i'm gonna do i i really want to i think where we were at is we're getting ready to start kind of moving into where you are today and your passion and why you're doing what you are so that's what we're going to do in the next segment this next segment is really we're going to be at today you can obviously reference back maybe some things that tie to it. But I want to talk about where you are, uh, why you're here, where you're going, and so on. And we'll come back after this quick break and listen into a little more of Ricky Jean Wright. And it's not It's the not a race to see how many people know your name. One day you realize time was worth more than the gold it's not the getting there 
When you get there, you'll know. All right, we're back with Warrior vs. Zombie, and I gotta say, Carl, you kind of kept me captivated all the way through this, and I love hearing your story. It's amazing to me how your journey has led you to today, and I frankly kind of know where you are today, but I want to know, you know, why you're where you are in your own mind, what value you want to provide, what is your just cause, what value you intend to provide, and if anything were possible, where are we going? Well, th- thanks, David. Uh, and, you know, in the last segment when we were talking about my journey, uh, I did neglect to, to say that, that in, the, um, in my years in, D- in, D- in Denver, which was about five years on and off, uh, I did have a spiritual awakening. I became what would commonly call a born-again Christian. Uh, I grew up knowing the stories of the Bible. I knew uh, about God. I knew about Jesus. But I never was exposed to having a personal relationship with that person. Uh, and that happened to me in Denver, and I would have to say changed my life significantly. That, So when you say, who am I and where am I going? Um, we who are believers know where we're going, but we're still here. So it's the already and the not yet. And how do we live this life? We're already saved is is the Christian word, but we're not yet at the reward. So what do we do in this period? And and uh, Jesus said, you are to love God with all your heart and all your mind. So he's given us a mind to make good decisions and make good choices. And then he's laid out the rule book. He's laid out the, the goal lines and he's laid out the boundaries and said, within this framework, go do it, go, go have at it. So I, I have always, um, I have to credit it to to parents who I believe were positive and and very uh, uh, enthusiastic, very uh, uh, engaging people uh, who gave me a, just a sense of positivity. I would say um, so. When I when I have identified problem areas in my life or people who I've had problems with. <laughs> You know, whenever we look at somebody else and say, what's what's wrong with David? Oftentimes, I'm really pointing out what's wrong with me. <laughs> I just happen to see you doing it. <laughs> so so um, things that things that I uh, uh, I have discovered about, about is, is the tendency to be negative, to be a naysayer, to deny good things. And not, it's going to be bad to go around like an Eeyore, you know, oh, woe is me. And I'm not talking about reasonable skepticism. I think we all have a reasonable amount of skepticism. You look both ways before you cross the street. But I choose to look at, at the positive side. And, and it's it's really even more than saying, uh, is the glass half full or half empty? The real question is, what are you going to do with the glass? This is the glass I've gotten today. Whether it's half full, half empty is irrelevant because that's the past here's your cup. What are you going to do with it? You're going to drink it. You're going to share it. You're going to fill it. So to my, my end, the, a, a positivity or an optimistic outlook is this is the day I have. This is the situation I have. Now, what do I do? I'm a, I'm a strong believer in Stephen Covey, who basically says, stop banging your head against the wall with things you can't control. I have no control over the weather. I have no control over uh, the price of gas. I have no control over the government, except I get to vote every two years. I have no control over other people. What do I have control over? My response to traffic, my response to the weather, my response to the government. So so when you look at this COVID-19 thing or any other thing, whether I like what they are doing in Washington or in Austin or what, whether I like it or not is irrelevant what is relevant is this is the day I have. How can I make it work for me in spite of, you know? So if I'm slaying zombies, there's zombies in my head. The warrior says, here's the plan, go ahead with it. You know, so so how do we make it work? Uh, and, and how do I fill that glass? Um, there are people who want to blame people, the blamers, you know, the and I tend to want, you know, it's so easy to blame the government for this situation, to blame the politicians, to blame the, my computer, to blame the weather. But but 
I read a, a, one of the books I'd recommend beyond the Bible, which I'll talk about in our last segment a little bit, but, but the, there's a book by John G. Miller and John G. Miller has written a book called QBQ question behind the question. And, and in that he says, when things go wrong, we ask the wrong questions. We say, who screwed this up? When are they going to fix this? Why didn't they tell us? Who's going to, who's going to come through? What, what's going to happen? He said, all those questions are blame questions. He said, the personal accountability question, the question behind the question is, what can I do? How can I help those guys? How can I explain it? How can I make it work for me? And so it becomes a sense of personal responsibility. Maybe what Emerson said back in the founding period, a sense of self-reliance. What can I do? And, and Miller's got three or four books out now. He's kind of like the new um, uh, one-minute manager. What was his name? They say short-term memory is the first thing to go. Uh, uh, Blanchard, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard, one-minute manager. Well, it's a book like that, short and sweet, a little allegorical, but it's the question behind the question, what can I do? Um, uh, the other things that I'm that right now, if I, when I teach supervision, management, communications, emotional intelligence, any of the topics I teach, I really, I really promote both those ideas and then also the concept of logic over emotion, using our reason. What we have is very emotional reactions to things, uh, and and then we fall into what are called logical fallacies. So if you want to get a good lesson in logical fallacies, turn on the news programs any night of the week, any channel, any side, doesn't matter what, what your favorite channel, what side you believe. But, but I would encourage the listeners to Google logical fallacies. Some of the most common are the ad hominem logical fallacy, where I blame the, shoot the messenger. I blame the man. Ad hominem is Latin for to the man. So, when someone poses a statement that I can't answer, I say, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> and we call people names, right? Or we have the false binary choice. If we don't do something about the environment, uh, if we don't do something about automobile pollution, uh, we just have to get rid of cars or the world's going to end in 20 years. It's never either or. There's always things in the middle. Uh, uh, the, the, probably the most common one is the straw man fallacy where you state the other side's view. Well, they want to get rid of, or they want to do this, and you state their case weakly or falsely, you know, tell all the truth, and then you destroy it. So uh, there's probably 20 different logical fallacies, but those are some of the most common ones that, that um, people misuse. And so then I go from the blamers into the deceivers. And, and uh, I... I have a reason uh, um, you were you mentioned earlier. I don't know if it's on, in, in, online or not, but you mentioned my um, email address, Carl Speaks Truth, at Gmail. When I started that, I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago, a couple people close to me said it was kind of funny. But I don't claim to have all the truth. I don't claim to be perfect in the truth. But that's a reminder to me to speak the truth, not to intentionally deceive, not to falsely state situations. So my Facebook page is Carl Speaks Truth. My, my email is Carl Speaks Truth at Gmail. Um, to remind me that I have an obligation to be truthful. And and. I think people inadvertently, I'm not saying, I call them deceivers. I, I, don't, I don't mean to impugn any uh, evil motives on them, but I think people misstate things quite frequently. Even when they say all scientists agree, all economists agree, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, all scientists and all economists don't agree on everything, on anything, right? Uh, there's always somebody who's going to disagree. Uh, I, I'm sure you know. No, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, when when they say uh, the majority believe, the uh, majority of gun owners in Texas believe, well, first of all, what's the majority? Is it 51% or is it 85? Um, I learned in business long ago when someone states what should be a number, I'll say, what's the number? Because if you say 51% of people believe something, that could be either way. If you say 85% of people believe something, that's convincing. 
But when you say the majority, which one do you mean? Because they're both majorities. So, I, so either you don't know the number, then shame on you for saying it, or you know the number and don't want to use it because it's not convincing. So I try not to be one of those people. And when people, when I hear people saying that, I say, what's the number and where did you get the number? I think we need to hold people accountable for their words. And I think when they use those generalizations, um, they're intentionally or unintentionally being deceiving. And so uh, I guess it my, um, if you want to know what value I think or what, what my cause is, I would like to know that over the next five years, maybe I can reach 100,000 people, a couple hundred thousand people. I, my goal in 2006 is to speak 150 to 200 times about untold stories about the founders of this country. And I'm working my way up. I've got goals uh, because there are a lot of falsehoods being told uh, about the founding period. Um, let, let's just take the statue issue where we're tearing down statues. And now I'm hearing people say we have to tear down the Jefferson Memorial because Jefferson owned slaves. Well, you know, I, w I was once fortunate enough to be in, in uh, Florence, Italy, and I saw the statue of David by Michelangelo. And it's one of the great well-known statues of the world. And David uh, was, a, was a philanderer. <laughs> he, he went after another man's wife. He um, uh, had that man killed or put him in the front lines. He arranged so that man would be killed. Uh, yet when, when Michelangelo created the statue of David, he didn't create a statue to David the philanderer or David the killer. He, he erected it to David the man of God, the man who sought repentance, the man of God. When we erect a statue of George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, we didn't erect them to George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, the slave owners. We erected it to the founder of our country, the writer of the Declaration of Independence, because all of us have imperfections. We are all imperfect people, and we are striving to be better. And, and many of those people made mistakes. And I think also, if you think about it, I guess the other untruth that really bothers me is this 1619 project that the New York Times has started that says we have built this country on the backs of slaves. And 1619 is the time the first slaves arrived in Jamestown, I believe. Uh, and therefore, we built the country on slaves. No, the British built the colonies on slavery. Remember, slavery was a British institution. It was a worldwide institution, but it was British slave traders, British ships who went to Africa, who, by the way, had Africans capture other Africans to create slavery and to bring them here. And the founders knew they, want, they didn't like this system. They all felt uncomfortable with it. They all knew it needed to change. They had to make the compromise to first get a country, and then we'd work out how we'd change it. And it took a little while. By the way, Britain did not give up the practice of slavery until 1835. So they were just a few years ahead of us in doing it. It was long after our independence. But, but we need to remember, we broke away from the British system. We broke away from the European systems so that we could have we, the people, we don't, we're not ruled by monarchs or dictators. We are ruled by we, the people. The government works for us. We don't work for the government. So I think that that point is being missed today. And, and I don't think, I don't see it repeated in the media. So I feel if I can reach 100,000 people, several hundred thousand people in the next six years, uh, if I can publish and get some books out there and get a podcast going, things things that, and, and I mean, I've got to start on those things. Um, I can maybe get people thinking and questioning some of what they hear. And and again, they don't have to take my word for it. It's in the Library of Congress. You can go see all the debates. You can go online and read what they said. I just think we're relying on other people. We're taking it for granted rather than examining it for ourselves. Um, as believers, I mean, one of my favorite lines is in the book of Acts, when Paul is speaking in Berea, I want to say it's Acts 17, 11, 18, 18 11 maybe, where, where here Paul, the greatest evangelist in the world has ever seen, speaks every day in the synagogue, and then the Bereans, and it says, the Bereans went home at night and checked the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. 
I think each one of us, whoever your favorite pastor is, whoever your favorite podcaster is, whoever your favorite news commentator is, check the facts. We are all imperfect people. And, and we have the, the great thing about technology is we have the facts available to us at a moment's notice. So it's my goal and my desire to morph or to uh, uh, keep doing this training business because I get to get a few plugs in here or there, but to really spend more and more of my time um, spreading what I believe is the truth about the founding of this country and where we're going. And again, when we've made mistakes, we've corrected them. We continually make life better for all levels of society. Uh, and, and it, and we continue and look, those of us who grew up in the fifties or sixties, although we may miss some of the traditions or culture of that time, life is much better in America today than it was then. And it's much fairer for people. And it's much, uh, much more judicious for people than it was in the sixties. So we have made great strides and we'll continue to make great strides. If we choose to continue seeing this as this is the country we have, it's the country everybody wants to get into. No one's trying to get out. Everybody's trying to get in. Uh, and we can keep making making it better. That's that's my goal. Keep making it better. Well, wow. That's all I got to say is wow, Carl. I, I love the vision. I love your energy. Uh, somebody close to the same vintage. I don't even think we've done an age check here, but I think we're pretty pretty close in 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 vintage here. But I will tell you, having that passion, having that mission, and with what you've already shared and what you know, I, I see that being well within your reach. And uh, I will tell you right now, uh, as a warrior myself, I would love to do whatever I can to see see you further that further that cause. So uh, I don't think I have to ask any more questions. You've you've covered the the where you are, where you're going, the impact you want to have, all the things that I like to hear from warriors. And I'm sure you've got a lot more knowing what I've heard already and knowing you, I, I'm sure that it'll it'll be there. Uh, and I'm looking forward, maybe we'll do this again. Hang on, we're getting ready to go in. Carl's charged up about one more thing, but he's going to share with us if there's anything we take away, because he's covered a lot of ground. Uh, obviously, he's like me. He's not without a point of view, and I love it. And I'm going to ask him what he wants us to take away. What would be the two or three major things that he'd like for us to take away from this podcast, as well as then we're going to hear how to get in touch with him as we go forward, because I definitely know we're going to want to stay in touch. So with that, we're going to have one more break. We're going to hear from Ricky Jean Wright, and then uh, we'll be back with Warrior vs. Zombie. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our wisdom and youth are always two different games. The years flew by so fast is the common human complaint. Memories in our minds turn to diamonds in our soul. And by the grace of God, on down the road we go. All right, we're back for what I call the Land the Plains segment of Warrior vs. Zombie. And this is a journey that I've loved being on with Carl Flowers. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Carl, is if anything were possible, if we took away anything from this podcast, what would you want us to take away? Well, David, I think, first of all, we all have to answer that question is who are we and why are we here? And the best book I have ever read and continue to read and continue to learn about uh, is a book that the, the Joshua in, in the book of Joshua 1.8 said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and all that what you do will be successful. Uh, uh, if you have any questions about why you're here on this earth or what you're doing, I think you need to get into the claims of the Bible and understand uh, that the answers are there. Uh, once you have that decision made in your life, then I, th- I think uh, I, I have a group on Facebook called the Action Sparker Group, and my motto is action sets you free. We can talk about it, we can think about it, we can plan about it, but if we don't take action, nothing happens. So action sets you free. Uh, Stop thinking about today, pick up the phone and call somebody, go out and knock on a door, go do something. And when you, in the act of doing things, that's when you get excited and motivated to do more. Uh, Secondly, press on regardless. Uh, and you know, David, you've heard, your group has heard my story of the, uh, or not my story, the story of George Rogers Clark, who captured what was five states of, of the United States uh, with, with the motto of press on regardless. Um, and so uh, I, I believe in action sets you free, press on regardless. Awesome. Well, I believe in all those things too. And I know that you can speak at nauseum or whatever for all of those areas because of from a historical perspective. So anybody that wants to hear how our founding fathers and how we got to where we are as a country, Carl is somebody to enlist to share with you and your your organization. And the fact that you have a connection to your God through and that you take action and you press on perseverance, those are the things that every warrior should remind themselves of every day. And I appreciate that. So Carl, this has been an incredible journey. I know you've left everybody wanting more, including me, but tell me, how do we continue to stay in touch with you as we go forward after this podcast? The best way to get me, David, is uh, we already mentioned on Facebook, my handle is Carl Speaks Truth. So it's Carl Flowers in Dallas on Facebook. Carl Speaks Truth at Gmail is my email. So Carl Speaks Truth. And that one Facebook page is kind of the gateway to my Action Sparker group, which is a motivational message every day, and and also the untold stories of American independence. But you can get them all through Carl Speaks Truth on Facebook. Well, that's great because that makes it real easy. Carl Speaks Truth, like I told you, I remember that one. So a lot of people I encounter and I can't ever remember exactly how to find them and I have to work hard, but... Carl Speaks Truth. So Facebook, Carl Speaks Truth, Carl Speaks Truth at gmail.com. And I can tell you this, Carl is the very reachable and very servant leader or oriented type of warrior here. So if you have anything after this that would he could serve you with, I'm sure he will. So with that, we're going to land the plane as I promised. And this has been an episode episode 20, actually, of Warrior vs. Zombie in 2020. As Carl pointed out earlier, I hadn't even thought of that. So, but uh, And thanks again to our sponsor, Be Connected, where entrepreneurs connect. Remember, we're inviting our listeners to get in on the ground floor of this premier hub for successful entrepreneurs, home-based business owners, small business owners, CEOs, and founders that allow us to connect and 
collaborate in this new and virtual and awesome world that we're moving into. So again, go to B E E K O N E N E C T E D dot com. Be connected dot com. This has been Dave Roberts. We're here with Warrior vs. Zombie with Carl. Thank you, Carl. I can't thank you enough for the, the time that you've shared and your your insights. And if you want to find us, please share this episode with your friends. Uh, you can they can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, they can listen to it on the you on YouTube, they can listen to it on iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, any place that you can find a podcast, just search Warrior versus Zombie. And we look forward to seeing you in the future. So with that, have a beautiful day. We'll close out with Ricky Jean Wright, and it's not the getting there. It's not the getting there. It's the journey every day. It's not a race to see how many people know your name. One day you realize time was worth more than the gold. It's not the getting there. When you get there, you'll know. One day you realize time was worth more than the gold. It's not the getting there. When you get there, you'll know.